0: Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy Talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. So Teresa, life. Um, welcome to the Talking Joy podcast. You're a spiritual director, an educator, and an author. And after a career as a uh, radio news journalist, you headed for seminary, graduating from San Francisco Theological school with uh, a diploma in the art of spiritual direction in 2000 Um, and since then you've been working as a spiritual director for individuals and groups and serving as a discernment facilitator leading workshops and keynoting conferences on various aspects of the contemplative christian life and spirituality Did I get everything?
1: (laughs) That was it. The only, the newest thing that I'm doing um, is apprenticing. And so I'm training spiritual directors one-on-one as, you know, as much as I can, as many as I can. Um, So that's my newest venture, but yeah, all of that. Oh, that's exciting. Great life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What a great life. Um, In your book that we're going to talk a little bit about today, Spiritual Direction 101, um, you say nothing is as deep or as personal as one's feelings about God. Finding someone who has the experience and skill to help you explore the realm of the divine is like finding water in the desert. So, where is an experienced and confident spiritual director when you need one? Um, And as the number of people seeking spiritual guidance grows, that becomes a crucial question.
1: Right. I have trained spiritual directors for many years now. um, And I've noticed that a lot of people take training programs. And then they either don't uh, take on directees, they don't become spiritual directors in, in the way of the one-on-one, um, or they just take two or three. So that's why you know, we need a lot more spiritual directors, just so that people have that pool of possibility.
0: Yeah. And so for the people listening that don't know what spiritual direction is, we struggled at a cocktail party. When, you know, my husband's a lawyer and he can just say I'm a lawyer and people are like, oh, that's great. You know, what kind? And if someone asks, what do you do? And then I always, you know, I remember once a friend mentor said, you have to have an elevator speech, Pam. And I <laughs> do. But sometimes I get tripped up because I think, oh, is this person going to think I'm wacky? And um, so I have a hard time describing exactly what spiritual direction is. And I've become more and more comfortable with it, the older I am and the more, you know, schooling and the more that I do it. But um, I would love to hear your explanation.
1: Sure. Well, like you, I I struggle to explain it in a way that doesn't use kind of what I call spirituality jargon. Um, You know, that people, that someone who's maybe is not familiar with um, kind of the world of spiritual, spirituality uh, can understand So I usually say that I'm a spiritual director and, you know, I kind of look for, do they have a recognition of that? Uh, And if they don't, I tell them that I help people explore their spiritual path, uh, whatever that is. I have a lot of other small catchphrase type things that I say because I get anxious too, because it is hard kind of to explain this, this holy work that we do, this confidential work. Um, So I sometimes will say, that I help people take the next step on their spiritual journey, whatever that is, and however that um, is for them, uh, letting them know that this is um, this is not a discipleship sort of program. This is deep listening. It's reflecting on the person's life and their journey of faith and it's discernment. Sometimes they come with decisions that they need to make and they want to kind of dip into a whole life of discernment. Um, And also accompaniment is a word that I sometimes use because that's what I'm doing. It's kind of walking alongside them, trying to stay right with the story that they're telling about their spiritual life and helping them go deeper into that story. And hopefully people will kind of understand that. if they don't, then uh, we have a, a deeper conversation about what it looks like. Sometimes I say, well, it's one-on-one, so it kind of looks like counseling, but we're not counselors. Uh, it's deep listening, so and it's whatever the person wants to talk about. And then I explain to them that in this world we live in now, there aren't that many people that you can talk to and say, you know, I have, I have questions about God, or I have, I have um, had the spiritual experience. They've done studies and people sometimes won't talk about their religious or spiritual experiences, even with um, religious authorities that in their tradition, you know, pastors, clergy. Um, But they want to talk to someone that won't judge them and that will really listen and help them sort out, you know, what is this thing that happened to me? And so we sit with these stories and um, in a a stance of non-judgment, So I kind of go on and on about what it looks like. It's confidential. It just stays between the two of us, um, that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I, I love that explanation and the word that jumped out for me was this non judgmental space. And so I can sit with someone and listen to their stories and meet them where they are. Right. It's like this holy listening where, and where we're, we're with that person and, Exactly. There's no judgment. So there's no feeling of, um, I love your description of that because it sounds very, um, loving and kind and like a space, a safe space for people to come and to be with another.
1: If yes, it absolutely has to feel safe. Um, and as you know, when working with someone new to spiritual direction, it can take months before they really feel deeply safe to get into some things so um it's a lot of getting to know the person i think sometimes at the beginning i also sometimes tell people you know they if they're curious but they're not sure i say, well it's not for everyone it's it's really for those people that um that haven't found someone to talk to or don't have that um that safe place in their life Um, I'm not one of these people that thinks everybody in the world should be in spiritual direction. I think every clergy person, every person in ministry should be in it. But, um, but it's really, but when you, so when you open that up with that freedom and people know, okay, then the people who really need it start to inch forward to you, you know, and then they want to talk some more about it. So I'm really interested in somehow reaching those people who they don't know that this is the very thing that would, be so helpful in their spiritual journey but they find out oh this person exists there there's this thing called spiritual direction I want to try it so I'm trying to reach them the skeptics just go okay whatever
0: well I uh I had somebody say to me once this was exactly what I didn't know I needed Mm -hmm. because it is this uh sort of this great Uh, relationship, um, professional, obviously, you know, I, I want to point out that typically I do not see people that I meet with for spiritual direction outside of, uh, that relationship that, you know, there's some space. So, and, and I guess the word that I was struggling for that I couldn't find before when you were talking was vulnerability. There's a vulnerability in sharing our stories, um, and, a spiritual director can hold you in a place where you know, like you were saying, that there's this confidentiality, and that you know your story is being honored and um, and it's non-judgmental. So I love that.
1: Yeah, your story is being honored. Also, just the core of who you are is being honored. Yeah. So I make it really clear on my website and any promotional materials that I'm open and affirming of LGBTQIA. Plus people, um, that this is not just you know, it's not just one of those things we say everyone is welcome, but then we try to steer people. No, it's no, there's no steering. I tell people that I don't have an agenda. I don't have a program for you. <laughs> We're not going to go through a program. We're going to sit and um, and I listen and you share and we explore. So um, it's really hard if you come across someone who thinks that director means you'll give them homework and you know, give them books to read and things like that. Um, that's a different kind of relationship that I'm not as comfortable with and I don't, it don't make it part of my practice, but, um, but it's much more gentle than that.
0: I love what you just said because now the next time somebody gets me <laughs> and asks me what I do, I'm gonna say, you talk, I listen and we explore. That's beautiful. That's such a just great description in a safe, loving environment, uh, you know, where you can share your vulnerabilities and, and who you are. And the other thing I want to ask is spiritual direction, religious?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm religious. So I kind of think it is, it's spiritual. And, you know, people have different understandings of the word spiritual versus religious. It's whatever the person needs it to be. I mean, I've worked with people who are agnostic. Um, I don't know that I've worked with many atheists if they at least they haven't, you know, pronounced themselves as such. Um, but I honor, you know, the life force, the source of life, um, whatever meaning they're searching for in life. So I can do it in kind of a, I can do it without a lot of religious language, that's for sure. But is it religious? That's a really huge question. The reason
0: I ask that is because, you know, people might describe me or my work as "Oh, Pam's, you know, she has, I have a theological degree. So Pam's religious or she teaches religion. And I, the thing that I've learned about spiritual direction, at least my own experience has been that I have my, you know, my personal beliefs and my personal relationship with God, you know, or my higher power. But then when somebody comes into my space, or we meet over Zoom, I meet them wherever they are on their journey. If I sense that somebody uses the word he for God, I will then use that. I'll mirror that language back to make them feel comfortable. Uh, it's not necessarily the my language, but, um, and again, if somebody keeps saying source or divine, you know, I will um, honor that and and be there with them in and meet them where they are in in uh in their faith journey. So it's for me it's not necessarily Presbyterian or Catholic or, you know, that's I guess that's what my where my question was coming
1: oh, yeah. from. It's not, it's not denominated, it's not uh, sectarian as they say at all. But uh, I will sometimes ask people what uh kind of language they use for the divine um or for sacred um and just find out right off the bat at the very beginning, um, kind of where they, the language they use. And if they don't, if I don't ask that question, I just like you, I listen for what it is. Um, But I one time had uh, someone come, I had in some promotional material said, I don't have to use religious language. And they held me to it. They're like, I don't, I'm coming to you because you say you can do this without using a lot of religious language. They were spiritual, they were religious, but they didn't want to hear you know, churchy talk. So,
0: um, one of my mentors, Cynthia Bailey Mans, uh, said to me once, um, you know, what's your image of God? And that that's one of the first questions that you might want to ask someone because that also will give you a picture of, you know, where that person is coming from to meet
1: them on their journey in that way. Um, just, just don't ever ask a Muslim or a Jewish person what their image of God is. Yes. I I made that mistake once. That's,
0: that's not, a good they were, point.
1: They were kind, but yeah, it's um, with the image works for people who are very visual and and um and do kind of um like various images for God. Yeah, and again, well, thank you for pointing that out because it is important to know
0: you know your your client you know, in advance. And do you have people fill out like a questionnaire or anything like that before they come and see you or not necessarily?
1: No, I I don't. I have pretty strong feelings about um, what makes spiritual direction kind of different from some other helping professions. Yes. Um, So rather than a form, although I don't judge spiritual directors who do have an intake form, and there's one on Spiritual Directors International's website as an example for people. I don't do it. I wasn't taught to do it. Um, it. I was taught that it's more informal than that. And um, I've never had a spiritual director have me fill one out to work with them. But what I do is have a short 15, 20 minute phone call intake kind of. It's what I call it. Um, meeting with people. And I find out some of the things that I need to know in that. So I just do it verbally instead of um. In a written form, I just don't want it to seem so much like counseling. Yeah. Well, so I haven't. I've had lots of counselors. It didn't make me fill out paperwork, so I don't know. Yeah.
0: No, that's that's good to say because uh, you know I would say that I also do sort of like a phone interview to see if it feels like it would it be a good match, um, and we should probably talk about that a little bit. I was taught and I don't, you know, I'd like to know what your spin on this is is that, um, you know, you should shop it around a little bit, just like you wouldn't walk into the mall and buy the first top that you saw, you would look and try things on and see how it feels. And before you made the purchase and do you feel that way about spiritual direction that people should, you know, look around a little bit, you know, SDI obviously is a great resource if you're looking for um, you know, and I can have links to that. If you're looking for a spiritual director, you can, Kind of plug in where you live and what you're looking for
1: right i think it's a good idea um i know a lot of people don't do it they they kind of look around online at your websites and the language that you're using and how you how you present spiritual direction and then they they notice like am i comfortable with what this person is presenting as their style um some people too they come to spiritual direction at a time They really need to talk. Some of them don't even want to wait for an intake, you know, so they they just need to talk. So um, those people, I will go, I'll set the first appointment, do that, all that intake material that I need um, at the very beginning, because I know they have something to talk about. And for most people, I say, let's try three months and see. And if, you know, and at the end of three months, that appointment we'll just have a short conversation at the end. Is this working for you? Do you, do you want, is there something you want more of or less of? If you want a different kind of spiritual director, I can make that recommendation. So I find that really works. You'll know after three months if it's a fit. Um, But certainly SDI recommends that you interview three people and then before you decide on one. um, And so if people want to do that, that's fine. If they don't, I don't, I just find people come with needs usually,
0: and I was going to ask. I thought about that today when earlier when I was out for a walk and thinking about our time together, and and I thought one of my questions was, um, do most people come to spiritual direction with an issue or you know something that they that they really that's weighing on their heart that they need to talk about? Um, and if so, um, once you have gotten to a place where they've worked through that. How do you encourage them to stay with it? Because I feel like, yes, it can be helpful if you are trying to discern a big decision in your life, but the ongoing relationship can, maybe we can talk about the benefit of that.
1: There, there's great benefit in, in having one director for several years, even, Um, you don't have to tell your story, you know, over and over, they kind of know you. Yeah. It's, um. A few people will come for a season um, and then they'll feel like it's time to move on. But I think I find a lot of people, they come for, well, three different reasons. Awareness of God. They just want to become more aware, more mindful, more prayerful, whatever. Um, They come for that. Uh, Reflecting on their life, something that happened in their life or something that they desire in their life, reflection, and then discernment. And I guess if if they think of spiritual direction as short-term discernment coaching, you know, then they might um, end it after they're done with that. But people, they feel so held. I mean, we—how many times in your life do you find someone that will just listen to you without judging? They're not going to give you advice. They're not going to tell you what to do. They're going to help you work through your own thoughts, and fears, and beliefs, and wisdom, um, that is a precious thing, and when people experience that, I think a lot of them stay with it, Um, and then i work with a lot of clergy, and chaplains, and minister types, um, people working within ministry, and they come um, for all of those reasons, but also it's a monthly spiritual practice. They need a confidential place to just blah, this is all the stuff that happened. And I'm trying to make sense of it, or I'm trying to stay connected to God in the busyness of church work. So Mm -hmm. I get a lot of that as well. Yeah.
0: And I, and I as well with the clergy, because I feel like for the clergy, they can't talk to people. They can't let their guard down in that way in the church environment, because people are looking to them in leadership and they sort of you know, bottle all that in and they need a safe place to go and talk to someone. Um, There were two things I wanted to back up. Um, I would love for you to tell me what the word discernment means, because some of my listeners might not know what that means, Um, although I have did do a podcast on discernment once. Um, And uh, yeah, so why don't we start with that? If you could just tell us what discernment is.
1: Well, in, in kind of the general culture, discernment is a synonym for decision making. In spiritual direction, um, the practice of spiritual discernment is using all of your faculties, your mind, your body, your spirit, um, the facts of the matter, all of these things to come to a place where you feel fairly confident that God is leading you on a certain path. So um, some people just describe it as faithful choices making those choices. I like to think of it the way Howard Thurman talks about it is a way of life. You start, you do it, maybe you have a big thing you need to decide and you go through with a spiritual director, exploring all the the practical considerations, the pros and cons, how you're feeling interiorly about it. You know, how does your stomach feel about this choice? That kind of thing. You imagine going down one road, you imagine then not going down that road. I do all of that with people if they're in this, this season of discernment. And then once you've done it, you realize I can keep doing this. This is a way of this is a way of connecting with God, asking, okay, you know, which which way? Um, you know, the, the little voice is saying, walk in this way. Which way is that? And it's not that there's one perfect will of God that we have to, you know, figure out. Um, there could be many paths that please God and, ple- and are good fits for us, um, but each person has to kind of come to that place where, yes, this is the way I feel, you know, led. And so I, I work with people. I use some some Quaker silence techniques. Some um, talking about what a leading feels like, talking about how God has perhaps spoken to them or moved in their life in the past so it's a huge exploration
0: yeah Um, and i love that you're touching on all aspects of spirituality there because you're talking about the felt felt sense of the body you're talking about processing it with someone else who doesn't have any judgment or um uh input into the outcome Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and I wanted to back up to the, I said, there were two things that that I had caught that you talked about before, and you were talking about listening, um, and in the spiritual direction relationship, I listen, and I know you do because you teach this is that you listen, really listen to people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the eye contact, there's the felt, pre- you know, I'm c- completely present, and we don't often do that in our ordinary lives, right, you know we're brushing past people like oh great great how are you good, oh good glad to hear it and, and you're, you know, running down the street and we don't really sit with people in this capacity. And I think when someone is looking at me and asking me about my life, I mean, it almost makes you wanna cry because you're like, wow, you, you know that it's, I think that that's the holy in it mm-hmm. is that you're really in this relationship where someone deep cares deeply. Um, and I know, and maybe you can um, confirm this, is that it has changed how I am in relationships with other people in my life. It has changed how I, I, you know, I'll say to myself, you know, when I sit down with someone, be all here, Pam, you know, be all here because I'll be somewhere else in a little bit. And if I'm with a friend, I really want to hear how that friend is doing. I'm talking about outside of the spiritual direction relationship, but has it changed the way that you are with people in your life because of these skills of, of listening and being with others, being fully present to other
1: people? I think so. I think um, when I discovered that I really am a contemplative at heart, um, because I was in radio news, not a contemplative business at all. Um, So I was, you know, surviving in that, that culture. But when I went to seminary and discovered contemplative prayer, different forms of prayer, um, it it just opened me up and it changed me. But what also changes me is listening to people's stories, you know, being, being there, listening not just um, to the content, even to the feeling, but listening inside myself. you know that's contemplative listening is we're listening, okay, where am I resonating with what they're talking about? Not that I'm going to share my story or anything that happened to me, but that resonating vibration, I guess you want to call it, uh, can be the spirit kind of showing us how to connect with the person, how to be compassionate with what they're going through. So that has increased um, greatly the ability to listen within myself while I'm listening with someone else. And that's something, boy, if I could teach that to every mm-hmm. school child in the world, we yeah. um, make the world a better place. Yeah.
0: I, I think that, that I was given that gift
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a kid. And it's funny because when I, I started to lead small groups at my church because somebody moved away and nobody was left to lead it. And they said, oh, well, who's going to do it? And then I thought, well, I need, I need some structure here. I need some education. And so that's how I, and then I remember somebody said to me, oh, you should be a spiritual director. And I was like, oh, that might be good for somebody else. But what I understood, what I came to understand was that um, that all my life I had been doing it. And now I found, you know, the vocation for it, but I was in sales and I would go and meet with someone and they would tell me their life story, but then they'd want me to come back next week because I I created that, that dynamic or I, I don't know, but it's, and I also, I hear, I, that stirring. I don't think you use that word, but that you've used vibration maybe, but there's a stirring in me when I hear a phrase or a word or something that I might say to the person, you know, I noticed that you said the word, you know, blah, 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 so many times. And what does that mean for you? And um, so it's, it's, it's interesting um, that you either hone the skill or maybe it was there and Mm -hmm. you just didn't understand Look, what happened with me is I didn't even understand Um, what to do with the gift until, you know, and I kind of laughed off spiritual direction (laughs) at first.
1: (laughs) Well, I I like that. When I train spiritual directors, you know, a lot of them, and maybe a lot of your listeners know the practice of Lexio Divina, where you you read a little passage, um, a short passage, and just listen for what word or phrase or image just kind of stirs uh, something in you. And then you kind of go from there. And I try to train the apprentices that's what you're doing in spiritual direction you're listening to their story you know kind of as if you were you know in nature and you're going to be your attention goes to a very beautiful thing or you're reading scripture and uh, lexio style and and a word sizzles for you and you want to sit with that word and what that how that connects we're doing that with their story and um and it just, that gives me a much greater appreciation for, you know, the practice of Lexia Divina. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for saying that because you just articulated exactly what happens on my insides, even just in ordinary conversations, because, you know, one of my kids will be talking, 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 and I have a big family and, you know, we'll be in the kitchen and like a word will just, it'll sizzle or jump out and I'll, I'll stop mm-hmm. and say, well, wait, well, well, just a minute. I just heard you say, and, you know, tell me about that. Um, so I... I do operate like that. And I do use um, probably from your book, 50 Ways to Pray. And that's where you read anything, a poem or scripture or anything. You know, people can just do that in their ordinary life um, and look for a word or a phrase that jumps off the page or jumps out at you or sparkles. Um, Sometimes I'll say, you know, I feel like that that's where I need to stop is sort of pause and pray or think about that. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can do, and I, when I was in seminary, we would do it with media, you know, little, little media clips um, and what, or a, a picture, like what in the picture is drawing your attention. And once you learn to, to look for things that are drawing your attention in a very deep and kind of visceral way, I think you're really, you're, you're on a good spiritual path.
0: So going back to the dynamic with a spiritual director and and their directee, which a client is called, during that time together, what sort of things are you seeing happen over a course of time? Um, You know, I had asked you about somebody coming to me, you know, or you with... concern or discernment or something like that. Can you talk a little bit more about the beauty of what happens when you are working with someone over, like you were saying, two, three, four years, um, which, which I have experienced, you know, in my life with, with my own spiritual directors.
1: Well, I've had the, um, the blessing of being working with about three people for over 10 years and, um, they, two of them are clergy. I've seen one of them through three different church changes um, through wanting to be in a, you know, in a love relationship, in a marriage, you know, wanting to, to get married to now being married and having children. Um, sitting with them with those desires one guy had a particular ministry job that he felt called to be and, and do, um, but it took four to five years to, and it was a very specific job, and it took four to five years, and now he's in that job, and it just humbles me to the point of, I want to fall on my knees. It's like, you know, we stuck together through all of that, through how can this be a call when this is not happening for me? You know, I'm not getting these jobs that I'm going for. Well, how can this be? And, uh, and you you know, you care, you, your compassion is very strong. Um, and then, you know, they're there. Yeah. So. I feel the
0: emotion in that of, <laughs> of witnessing that, you know, for all of those years. And there is a humility, this humbling feeling of like, wow, I was there on the, on the path.
1: Right. Yeah. I prayed for them that they yes. would, you know, that I prayed just like they did, like, God, what's going on? This person feels called, really called to this particular kind of work. Yeah. And, you know, and and what's, why isn't it happening? And then to see the answers to the prayer, um, that's been very, that's just the greatest joy, really, of, of spiritual direction. I mean, I love working with all different kinds of, you know, links of, people lengths of time but um, even the short term like if you go to a retreat and you work as a spiritual director you meet with somebody once while they're on retreat um, that can be interesting too but when you get a chance to see kind of the arc of their life mm, that's that's what I was getting at you see the arc of their
0: life mm-hmm. and to stay with it stay with it because now with this gentleman that you were talking about, you know, in the rearview mirror, we can look back and see, and you can share the path together. Remember when, you know, this happened and this happened, Um, you know, I'm sure you see that with your own personal spiritual life. I see it with mine. You know, I sometimes wondered like, why am I back in school? I have four little kids and why am I, why am I doing this? And, and, and it was a calling. I really felt called to do it, but I didn't know where God was leading me. And, and it slowly unfolds. And when you have a companion and somebody who's worked with you, you know, they can help you see it, you know, sort of that flashlight in the, in the dark, you can see the next step, the next step, or help you discern the next step, the next
1: step, you know, and then to celebrate where, where you've been. You even see the cycles in their life where, you know, certain times of, of the year, maybe they are just not as cheerful as they usually are, or you just, you just get to know them in, in a way that you don't get to know many people. Yeah. And, uh, that's a real blessing. Yeah. So what would
0: you say the difference between talking to your clergy or someone in your church about something that's happening in your life versus a spiritual director?
1: Well, first of all, clergy are really busy. So um, most of them, if you go to sit in their office and talk about a spiritual question or um you know something theological. Um, you know they they'll see you maybe three times, but then they kind of want to refer you to some. If it's more long term, they refer you to a spiritual director or a pastoral counselor. So it's shorter with with clergy and um, and they don't always have. I mean, the gifts that make you a spiritual director are really different than the gifts that make you a good pastor. I mean. Some people have all those gifts. I don't have all the gifts. Uh, <laughs>
0: no, I'm, I'm, I'm prompting you because I want you to tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the gift of, you know, of doing the, the weekly um, worship service and all the administration and all of that is, um, is different than, than being able to sit and really listen um, with an open heart and a real contemplative pace. So I realized that I had those gifts and not the other gifts, although I have the masters of divinity and I have ordained, I am ordained clergy. But um, so I think also you have a relationship with your pastor that might be um, really different than you would have with a spiritual director. Yes, they're supposed to keep things confidential, but I don't know that they have quite that um that boundary really taught to them quite as well as, as it is taught to us. So, um, I mean, I've had clergy spill beans on something I said, you know, and it's, it's not fun. Um, so it's, I mean, some are great at it, but I think having a different person that's not maybe even connected to your church I'm hoping that you would mention
0: that because I, I think that it's healthy to to maybe go to somebody who's not connected to your church. that's completely removed because say you're at your church and you have questions about your faith and it's, it might be easier with a spiritual director of a different faith or from, you know, the next town or or like yeah. you, you know, clear across the country from me here. Um, but that's really important. And, and the reason I brought up the clergy piece was because I wanted to differentiate the difference between going to your clergy and talking to them. And like you said, they have a press schedule, they're busy, you might get a little bit of time with them. My my uh, pastor leaves two doors in his office open and his secretary is right there. So I've never felt like I could say you know, I'm always like talking, kind of quiet, or you know, you just feel like people are walking by, and and I think he does that for you know for safety reasons. But um, again, a spiritual director, I think, um, is doing this and only this, and companioning people. And I just kind of wanted to, to differentiate the two. It's great to go there initially, but that's why uh, having a spiritual director. Work with you for ten years, like yeah. you said, um, over a long period of time, and it doesn't have to be that long. But um, you know, to oh. go through all the different seasons of your life, and not just when there's this urgency to talk to somebody about something that's happening.
1: Right, and I, th- I think clergy are really good in emergencies and yes. urgent those things. Because um, I tried to do um, a visitation pastor job for a few years, where I would visit hospitals and when things would Bad would happen. I would go be with. I was not good at that. It just was not in my skill set. Um, so they do have different gifts. The other thing is, a lot of people, I don't know, they get have a trouble with their church, something that's not sitting right with them. And if you talk with your pastor, the pastor, of course, has feelings that get maybe hurt. Um, you really need to be able. To, and if it's your time to move on to another kind of church or another experience. Um, you you need somebody that's not connected to your church i have a friend that's a spiritual director he will not work with people from his congregation he he used to refer them to me and then i would refer people from my congregation to him so that we would you know do it that way i do see people from my congregation but it's generally just one or two meetings um, it's not an ongoing relationship because it's it's too many relationships. It's, what do they call it? Dual, it's multiple roles that yes. you end up playing. Um, I mean, I preached this Sunday. So, and there was a person who comes to me for spiritual direction was in the, the audience. So, um, not audience, but, you know, congregation. Yes. So, and that's that's okay, but that's, that's a dual thing, you know, a dual relationship. So, it's clean. Spiritual directors try to keep relationships as clean as possible so that you can be really honest and it can be truly confidential. So that's, um, I think that's why we're different than also we don't really get into very often deep theological discussions. That's very heady. You know, some, some people have just questions about God and theology and what the preacher preached on that Sunday. Those are things you take to the pastor because that's their You know, they are the resident theologian. Um, I listen to people talk about their theology, but I'm not there to, like, teach them what all the different theologies are saying about this, that, or the other.
0: Yeah. Had you ever had a client uh, that you thought maybe would benefit from also being in therapy?
1: Oh, yes. Um... I'm really, I'm slow to bring it up. I I, I don't want to real quickly bring up something like that, but if they have a behavioral issue or something they just can't um, change in their life that they really want and need to change, um, then after meeting with them for several months and, and listening, I, I might say something along the lines of, it's absolutely true. Well, you know, when I've gotten into these kind of stuck places. What helps me is to talk with a counselor or a therapist. Um, You know, would you like a referral? Would you like me to give you a name? Um, So I always normalize it um, because I do, I stay in therapy constantly. And um,
0: I I I love that language. It's so disarming. I mean, that's, and it's so important that you brought that up because that's really at the heart of spiritual direction is to really make the person feel at ease. And that's so disarming saying it that way. I love that.
1: Well, you know, hospitality is um, it's not just baking cookies and offering people coffee. You know, hospitality is being gracious. And I, uh, above all, and probably to a fault, I want to be gracious and, and help clients feel comfortable and not feel, I never want them to feel like I'm saying, you're too much for me and you need a therapist, you know? Um, I always let them know they can do it side by side. We can do it at the same time as they're doing therapy Um, or they can take some time off and go into therapy. And if they wanna come back to spiritual direction, they can. Um, But again, I I wait and also a big difference, as you know, I'm just telling everybody again, between us and therapists is we don't do any diagnosis but sometimes we notice that people are depressed we notice that anxiety seems to be getting in the way of their life so if we know if i notice that over a series of months as long as it doesn't look dire if it looks dire i'll just say you know i'll ask them are you depressed you know and they'll usually tell you but um as long as it's not dire i will wait to get to know them and them to get to know me and where some trust has been built. And then we'll say, you know, you might consider and then giving them some options.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Would you say that during a spiritual direction session that something mysterious or miraculous happens, it wouldn't happen like in our ordinary lives, or maybe we wouldn't recognize it necessarily.
1: Well, yeah, the only miracles I've ever experienced are kind of little ones. <laughs> you know, they're not the parting of the Red Sea or the... Burn. But I'd like, it's
0: the little ones, I think, that makes the yeah. biggest difference. Yeah.
1: Well, watching someone come to an insight, you know, maybe taking some silence and then out of the silence, something has moved within them and they have an insight or I'm going to try this or, you know, watching people have their aha moments that's a miracle to me me too
0: and and that's the shift that's the transformation that's the growth I mean that's that's everything that you know that you would hope by companioning with somebody that they would experience you know eventually I had a client once who uh, kept coming and she kept talking about music and I kept saying perhaps you're connecting to God through music and she's like oh no no no, no, and every time she she discounted, and then she came in one day. She's like, "Pam, you're not going to believe
1: it. Connected with God through music."
0: <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, really, really." And she brought in this amazing, like David Tulk music with this visual. You know, it's on YouTube. I, I could connect it, but um, and and it's just magical. And I've actually played it and showed it to groups after that because it was so meaningful. But she came in just bursting so excited to tell me but I had seen it you know but I couldn't again I didn't want to push her and she had to find figure it out on her own time but
1: what I like about that story Pam is it illustrates something that's really important especially for spiritual directors to remember and that is a lot of these ahas happen outside of the spiritual direction session so we don't always get to see it you know them light up in the session but if we trust God, which we do because we're spiritual directors. Um, then we know that God is the true director, and God is with them and is working, you know, and moving in them um, all the time. That we just have this privilege of what fifty minutes yeah. to an hour a month.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because uh, spiritual directors meet typically, and this was in your book about once every 30 days. Mm-hmm. About once a month, unless someone asks me, like, I do have a young client who um, lives in the city that likes to see me. She wanted to see me every week. And I was like, let's just give it a little space. And so now we're down to maybe every other, but maybe once every three weeks. Uh-huh. And and it's, you know, and, and it works for the two of us. And But the reason that there's that gap in time that you only meet once a month is that, And you tell
1: me. Well, we want to have let things happen. Time. Um, There's lots of good reasons for it to be at least three weeks to a month. Um, Time for them to do their their regular spiritual practice and to experience life and to experience God. To have, you know, they'll have more to talk about in a month than they would like every week. Um, It's also uh, the, the relationship stays more boundary if it's once a month or, you know, not every week because, um, transference can start to happen. People can get too dependent. That's what that means. They get yes. dependent on you. And, uh, the dependence is not as great if it's once a month, it just seems to be like a tradition in our business, mm-hmm. or in our world that works. Um, I they, guess I
0: really ask that is because I feel like sometimes that's when the miraculous, the mysterious happens in that in-between time, like with my uh, client who the music is that she discovered it, you know, all on her own um, in her quiet time. Um, so you wrote a book on the 50 ways to pray practices for many traditions and times, which I love because I love it's very inclusive. Um what is your go-to practice? So for me, I'm popcorn style. It depends where I am in my life and what I need. Like I did the Ignatian practices for eight months with my spiritual director over the quarantine. And that's what I needed. And it was unbelievably um, helpful and moving and it, it was just rich and I, I just really enjoyed it. But then when I finished that, I was like, Oh, you know, what am I, but you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual junkie. So Um, for you, like what, how, what is your favorite way to pray or your favorite practice right now?
1: Well, I like images and I like, um, doing writing, journaling. Um, I journal, I, my favorite prayer in that whole book is the simple one. Here I am prayer, um, where you just three steps, you just start out here. I am present to myself and you do a body scan and you just kind of become present to yourself in the moment. And then the second step is, here I am, God present to my environment, to the place where I am. And so you kind of orient yourself in your room or wherever you are. And then you sink into the third step. Here I am, God, in your presence. It's just a a stair-step way of kind of centering down, as the Quakers would say, to get to that quiet place. It's not easy for me to get to that quiet place within Um, you know, I do centering prayer now and then, but you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. Um, so I like, um,
0: but I even felt that there was a felt sense when you described that you, you even slowed down a little bit and I came with you. Um, and I, so I love that prayer and I, I will add that to, uh, to the bio page because somebody could print that out. Yes,
1: and it's also on Insight Timer. I um I have a few um little audio recordings of the prayers from Fifty Ways to Pray on Insight Timer, which is free. Okay. So if they want to. Oh, that's great.
0: Well, I can I can link that after. Um, so I always ask my guests uh, at towards the end of the podcast um, what their favorite quotes or words that they're living by right now. And you, uh, you said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes. You come alive and go do that because
1: what the world needs is people who have come alive.
0: Oh, Thurman.
1: I I really believe that. So I really want to when I work with directees is to find out what are the things, the parts of their life that just you know make them excited and make them enthusiastic and come alive. Um, because as I understand spirituality that's been handed down, especially through uh, St. Ignatius and through Quakers and through, you know, through real positive um, views of theology. Those things that make us come alive is where God is really encouraging us, like, look at this, do this thing. Uh, You don't have to do the thing that really grinds you down every day of your life. Um, So
0: Someone else told you that you needed to do Right. I often ask people who told you that who told you that so I love that um and it's such a great quote and uh it's one of my favorites too I we have that in, in like a little collection my daughter and I have together
1: um oh is it that your jar of uh the jars of
0: joy yeah. yeah so the uh I'll have to send you one oh so this quote is in so the 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 Jar has her favorite thirty okay. quotes, and, and this quote I think is in is in that first collection. Um, it's so, twentieth century mystics, you know, Howard Thurman. Yes, yes. So, thank you for helping highlight what spiritual direction is and why somebody would want one or need one, and uh, the benefits of it versus clergy versus you know having. Um, having somebody just really listen to you and listen to your stories and confidentially, you know, be in a place where you can be vulnerable and to help you discern and make good decisions and, and to really grow on the spiritual path. And I, it's been a gift in my life. I love learning about it and continuing to learn it. I love having my own spiritual director and I love working with directees and it's really uh, one of the great blessings. And I hope that the word becomes, you know, the language of spiritual direction, That you know, I don't have to say I'm a spiritual guide or companion that I'm a spiritual director. And yeah. so thank you for helping me unpack that a little bit today.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. I just think, um, you know, talking, with joy. Is that the name talking with talking joy? joy. Talking <laughs> joy. That's what a great goal. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today, or to get in touch, you can find us at talkingjoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.